I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Obergefell v. Hodges. So grab your gay marriage. And let's get civical. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And today we are just continuing to celebrate Pride because it is Pride Month here in the world. And so we decided to take on, we've been wanting to do this case for so long. Yeah. We talk about it truly almost every time we have to talk about a Supreme Court justice. But because <laughs> there are they, a lot of them had a hand in it. Yep. But today we're going to talk about the infamous, the legendary, the landmark Obergefell v. Hodges case. Yes. Which effectively legalized gay marriage in U.S. So excited. Yeah. So excited. And I'm also excited because this means anytime we do a case, we just live in OYAs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Which is my favorite place on earth. So good. And it's just, it's nice, it's nice to remember, although we've had some positive cases come out recently, but it is nice to remember these, like, really positive landmark cases, you know? Yeah. Because this is now four years ago, this right? Was, yes. This was in 2015, and this was Five also, years. this was, like, right after, like, this one, this case couldn't have happened without 
the Doma case and Edie Windsor. Yep. So, yep. you know, there's it it's building. It's building. And we're going to read some of the exchanges between the um the lawyers arguing the cases and the justices. Yeah. And I think you'll just find that there are that the anti-gay marriage arguments are like but marriage. 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 <laughs> oh my god, literally. I don't think I've ever heard Antonin Scalia's voice, but I do think it sounds like that. It does sound like that. Quite simply, if you played if you played the Princess Bride for me, I would say could be Antonin Scalia. <laughs> It's not not. Mowage. Oh, my so God. So it's very exciting. We're so excited to celebrate Pride in this court case. Yes. So let's just jump right into the facts of the case. So this is, these notes are coming from, of course, oh, yays. Oh, yeah, And, yeah. of course, Cornell Law School. And, of course, the National Center for Lesbian Rights. And, ooh, this one's new, yep. the Constitution Accountability Center. <laughs> Accountability in these days? I know. Unheard I, of. I honestly don't know how it took us to episode 74 to find them to as to the a Constitutional source. Accountability Center. I know. I was like, who uh, is this? Oh, love. Who are they? Okay, shout out to them and the work that they're doing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, so here are the facts of Obergefell v. Hodges. So. Groups of same-sex couples sued their relevant state agencies in Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and Tennessee to challenge the constitutionality of those states' bans on same-sex marriage or refusal to recognize legal same-sex marriages that occurred in jurisdictions that provided for such marriages. So, like, you could get married in California, but then yeah. Tennessee would be like, I don't see it. Yeah. Which is insane. It's insane. So again, as Arden said, this case was decided in 2015, and the plaintiffs in each case argued that the state's statutes violated the Equal Protection Clause and Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, and one group of plaintiffs also brought claims under the Civil Rights Act. Yes. We just thread it together, people. She just keeps serving us up rights. Literally, just Literally. serve it up. Serve it up. Continuing with OAs. In all the cases, the trial court found in favor of the plaintiffs. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit reversed and held that the state's bans on same-sex marriage and refusal to recognize marriages performed in other states did not violate the couple's 14th Amendment rights to equal protection and due process. Okay, Sixth Circuit. <laughs> Read the room. What does equal protection mean if not equal protection? Yeah. Equal, but not for them. Not for them. So that's that's kind of our facts of the case. Yeah. Keep going. So like Lizzie said, there the, the Obergefell v. Hodges case was a group of cases. And so Lizzie's going to talk about the Obergefell story later because it's very interesting and very sad. But. There are other cases that we want to talk about because these, because they are also human beings who also had a story to tell. So the first one is Tanko v. Haslam. This is coming from the National Center for Lesbian Rights. So, quote, three legally married same-sex couples challenged Tennessee laws that prevented the state from respecting their marriages and treating them the same as all other legally married couples in Tennessee. 
The Tennessee couples, who included a full-time Army reservist and two professors of veterinary medicine, all formerly lived and married in other states and later moved to Tennessee to pursue careers and make new homes from their fa- for their families. Tennessee refused to respect the couple's lawful marriages and treated them as strangers to each other. Not cute, Tennessee. Not cute. Quote, to prevent the plaintiff's couples from continuing to be harmed by Tennessee's laws, a federal district court in Nashville, Tennessee, ruled on March 14, 2014, that Tennessee officials must recognize the couple's marriages while their lawsuit was pending. The state appealed that ruling, close quote. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> like, you can't even have temporary rights while we decide if you get real rights. Okay. Right. That's <laughs> insane. Okay. Another case that was combined into this ruling was DeBoer v. Snyder, and this is coming from the Constitutional Accountability Center. Shout out. Okay, so this case was, so plaintiffs April DeBoer and Jane Rouse, both of whom have individually adopted children, filed a lawsuit in the Eastern District of Michigan challenging the state's ban on adoption by same-sex couples. Michigan law restricted second-parent adoption to married couples, a catch-22 for same-sex couples, since the state excluded them from marriage. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Michigan. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, let's not give this child a loving home because it's two women. Uh, Ugh. You suck. Okay. I know. At the invitation of District Court Judge Bernard Friedman, the plaintiffs amended their complaint to challenge the underlying issues of the state's ban on same-sex marriage. Judge Friedman heard arguments on March 7, 2013, but delayed ruling until after the Supreme Court's decision in United States v. Windsor and Hollingsworth v. Perry. So following further oral arguments and a trial, Judge Friedman on March 21, 2014, ruled that Michigan's same-sex marriage ban was unconstitutional and violated the plaintiff's right to the equal protection of the law. The state, of course, appealed to the United States Court of Appeal for the Sixth Circuit, which stayed Judge Friedman's ruling pending appeal. Love. Yeah. Simply love these Simply love. So the next case under the Obergefell v. Hodges umbrella is Burke v. Bashir. This is coming from the Constitution Accountability Center. We love, quote, four same-sex couples who married outside of the state challenged Kentucky laws that prohibited the state from recognizing their marriages and that excluded them from the benefits of marriage available to married opposite-sex couples, which was also, like, Edie Windsor's claim, because hers was about, like, if I was married, like, you're making me pay all this estate tax, but if I was married, which I legal, like, which I was, like, we were, this is a long-term relationship, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had to pay this, like, it's, you know, like, she was also her argument. On February 12th, 2014, District Court Judge John G. Haburn ruled that Kentucky's marriage laws violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Do we see a theme? Do we see a theme? The judges are like, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see see you. I see it. Okay. In his opinion, Judge Haburn declared that the state's laws treat gay and lesbian persons differently in a way that demeans them, and that Kentucky must recognize same-sex marriages performed in other states. Okay, yes, Haburn. Yeah. He was like, that's yes. some bullshit. That's some We're bullshit. We're treating them 
like second class citizens. Yep. Come on. And this is in Kentucky? I mean, shocking. I am shocking. Shocked. Shocked. Because Kentucky's attorney general declined to defend the marriage laws on appeal, the state's appeal to the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Court was pursued by Governor Steve Bashir. Don't you have something else to do? <laughs> I'm sorry. As governor, aren't you a li- in Kentucky? I think you're a little busy, my dude. I think you're busy. I also love that this one that uh the attorney general was like, I'm not. Mm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get this, this seems dicey. This, this sounds, seems like we're gonna lose. The Sixth Circuit stayed Judge Hayburn's ruling pending appeal. So this is all now set up. All of these cases, like the next stop on this train is the United States Supreme Stop. Court. <laughs> yes, they are about to knock, knock, ding, dong on SCOTUS's door. Knock, knock, ding, dong. We're here, guys. Yeah. Okay. And then so let's finally talk about the Obergefell story. And so this is coming from the Cornell Law School. Shout out to Cornell. So. James Obergefell and his late partner, John Arthur, lived together in a committed relationship in Cincinnati, Ohio, for 22 years until Arthur's passing on October 22, 2013. On July 11, 2013, after John Arthur was diagnosed with ALS, the couple traveled to Anne Arundel County, Maryland, on a special jet equipped with medical devices that cater to Arthur's medical condition. They got married inside the jet as it sat on Maryland's tarmac before returning to Cincinnati that same day. This guy is dying. Yeah. And they are going through. This must have cost a fortune to do just so they could have gotten married. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, like, it's maddening. Continuing on. In 2013, Obergefell and Arthur's same-sex marriage was legally recognized in Maryland and by the federal government as confirmed by the United States Supreme Court in United States v. Windsor. However, Ohio state laws and the Ohio Constitution forbade same-sex marriage at the time. Okay, Ohio. So following Arthur's passing, the state, one, failed to record Obergefell as Arthur's surviving spouse, and two, listed Arthur as unmarried at the time of his death. I mean, fuck (laughs) them! Yep. In 2013, Obergefell filed suit in the United States District Court for the Southern District of Ohio against respondent Richard Hodges, who is the director of the Ohio Department of Health. Go after him. (laughs) Obergefell argued that Ohio laws that failed to recognize out-of-state same-sex marriages were unconstitutional and asked that the Register of Ohio issue death certificates recording Obergefell as Arthur's surviving spouse and listed John Arthur as married at the time. The district court ruled in favor of Obergefell, granting Obergefell's motion for a temporary restraining order and ordering that the local Ohio Register of Death Certificates reject a death certificate for Arthur that fails to record Arthur's marital status as married and list Obergefell as his surviving spouse at the time of death. And, like, these other things, like, the the courts are in their favor here. Yeah, the courts are like, yeah, this is bullshit. So the district court reasoned that the 14th Amendment protects a fundamental right to keep existing marital relationships intact, 
and that Ohio failed to satisfactorily justify its refusal to recognize same-sex marriage under both a heightened intermediate scrutiny review and a less re- <laughs> and a less rigorous rational basis review. So like both when we look at this critically and when we just kind of glance at it, you really don't meet <laughs> you don't meet it. You you I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the argument. <laughs> no. No, both I in love the that. both in the term paper and in the article you have failed. You have failed it. Uh, And of course, on appeal, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit reversed the district's court ruling, holding that a state's decision to restrict marriage to a man and a woman does not violate a same-sex couple's constitutional rights. I don't even, like, read that sentence. I don't even know how that... I don't even... (laughs) How do those words... How do you... What? How do you argue that? Like, all of you went to Yale. Right. (laughs) Read that sentence. You know, I just, okay. It does, that literally just doesn't make sense coming out of my mouth. Okay. No. So, uh, uh, does not violate a same-sex couple's constitutional rights and that the, a state's refusal to recognize a same-sex marriage performed out of state does not violate 14th Amendment due process and equal protection rights. So, Obergefell v. Hodges addresses two core questions. This is coming from Oyez. Number one, the question is, Does the 14th Amendment require a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex? And two, does the 14th Amendment require a state to recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex that was legally licensed and performed in another state? These are two interesting questions to me. I mean, number one is like the obvious one. But if number one is yes, then why do we need to ask number two? Because if number one, like, if the 14th Amendment is like, yes, same-sex marriage, it's there in the 14th, right? Right. Then how can states then contest, like, other states? You know, then that's like, that's it. Oh, that's, the reciprocity like of it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that comes up a little bit in the arguments between the justices, because they're like... I love it. They get confused a little bit, like, at one point, I forget which one it is, but they're like... No, that was your answer for question one. We're talking about question two. Like, there is a little bit of, like, yeah, why are we arguing like, about this? It's like the 14th Amendment, right, extends to all of us states. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Nebraska's, like, no 14th Amendment over here. Right. So if it's, if, it's, if it's protected under the 14th Amendment, then it doesn't matter what state you're in because all of us right. are, like, it, under the 14th Amendment. It applies to everybody, right? Just saying, I love the no, question. Great. Let's, I mean, because me, I'm like, let's get as clear as we need to get. Yeah. You know, because people probably would have found a loophole through this, but like, yeah, it's just a weird question. But let's talk about the arguments. Yeah. Okay. Let's get, let's argue. <laughs> so I was reading these and I was like, oh my God, these are so good. There's no, yeah. remember when we did um, the Masterpiece Cake Shop? Oh, yeah. Case. And there That's was a lot we like, found out Sonia Bakes. Sonia Bakes. She has dinner parties. This and like those notes were spectacular for the reason like we learned so much about the justices personal lives. This yeah. is more about like just the the absolute like incredulity of some of these justices and what they think about the arguments against same-sex marriage mm-hmm. and the way that like they stand up for these couples in their questions is like just amazing 
and there's some really good and the the woman's uh woman mary l bonato has some really good like responses to john roberts and um and alito and some of the other justices uh that are interesting so we're gonna read these you guys we're gonna do a little role play Role play. Role play. So when you hear Lizzie, she's going to be reading the justices' questions I will, and comments. I will indicate which justice that I am before I read what they say. Yeah. But I will be, it's going to be kind of like a United States of Terror situation where I'm going to be playing <laughs> many roles. Yeah. And I am Tony Collette. <laughs> you so can excited. do this. You can do this. I can do this. And both, both liberal and conservative. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And I'm going to read the the responses and the the text of the the respondents and the petitioners who are like representing the couples and those who are representing the the state entities who are arguing against gay marriage. So I too will say like so and so says and then you'll know. So, let's start. Let's jump in. <laughs> pro gay argument. Yes, pro gay. <laughs> yes, pro gay. <laughs> Pro-gay arguments, Queen Mary, part one. Okay, this is Mary L. Bonato, and she says, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Already we love, oh, already we're in a I love that phrase. Zone. I love that saying. I'm just going to start saying that. Yeah. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The intimate and committed relationships of same-sex couples, just like those of heterosexual couples, provide mutual support and are the foundation of family life in our society. If a legal commitment, responsibility, and protection that is marriage is off-limits to gay people as a class, the stain of unworthiness that follows on individuals and families contravenes the basic constitutional commitment to equal dignity. Indeed, the abiding purpose of the 14th Amendment is to preclude relegating classes of persons to second-tier status. I mean, yes! Very, yes, there it is. Oh, so good. There it is. So good. And of course, uh, first justice to enter the stage is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she says, What do you do with the Windsor case, where the court stressed the federal government's Historic deference to states when it comes to matters of domestic relations. Question. We love it. Right Question. off the bat. Yeah, yeah. They were, they came so ready. They came to play. The justices. She said three sentences and they were like, let's just get into it. <laughs> let's just get into it. <laughs> also, that was a magnificent worth Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Thank you. Really, that was literally, I was like, how am I going to do this? And I it just really, came right out. It was so good. So Mary Bonato responds to Justice Ginsburg and she says, states do have primac primacy over domestic relations, except that their laws must respect the constitutional rights of persons. And Windsor, meaning the Edie Windsor case that struck down DOMA, could not have been clearer about that. And here we have a whole class of people who are denied the equal right to be able to join in this very extensive government institution that provides protections for families. And then <laughs> Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. jumps in. Well, you say join in the institution. The argument on the other side is that they're seeking to redefine the institution. Every definition that I looked up prior to about a dozen years ago defined marriage as unity between a man and a woman 
as husband and wife. Obviously, if you succeed, that core definition will no longer be operable. Okay, John. He's, he's literally like, I've read four dictionaries in my life. Like, what? Yeah. Come on, John. Have a, have more of an imagination. This he's, is like pre-imaginative John. Same John that's like, you know what? This very vague piece of legislation Congress wrote actually includes, like, you can't discriminate against transgender people. Right. He had imagination now. Right. Where was it then? Where was it then? John. He, yeah. And I mean, he's literally saying, like, I Googled it. I Googled it. I Googled it. And I couldn't find one thing about a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Right. Not what you I know, found. And I, I went to Yale. <laughs> I'm actually not sure if he went to To me, they all go to Yale. I know. They all, Sorry if you don't go to Yale. Except RBG. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, he's very, uh, yeah. I'm like, where where did you look this up? I'm sure, I'm sure in some the Oxford Heritage Foundation. He probably pulled it out of his bookshelf and went to get the dust off of it, yeah. opened it up, and just <laughs> marriage. Right. Oh, damn it! This this Oxford Dictionary from 1972 <laughs> says man and a woman. Whoop! Boom! Case closed. Case closed. I rest my case. Put the book away. Put the book away. Put the book. Get get the book out of here. Get get the book out of here. Oh. I don't want that book anymore. Give me give me give me a second dictionary. Let's see if this holds water. <laughs> I do love that he God. was like I found in multiple sources. I was like okay okay. I'm like you opened four dictionaries. <laughs> right. Like what other sources are there? Like religious texts? Not what we need. Not what we need right here. Which no. is kind of where you find it's either a dictionary or it's a religious text. And a religious text has no basis in the court. Goodbye. 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 So Mary Bonato responds to to Roberts and he's just said obviously if you succeed in redefining marriage that the core definition will no longer be operable. And she says Mary says, "I hope not, your honor." Because what we're really talking about here is a class of people who are, by state laws, excluded from being able to participate in this institution. And if your honor's question is about does this really draw a sexual orientation line, Robert interrupts. He comes in. He cuts her off and he says, no. My question is you're not seeking to join the institution. You're seeking to change what the institution is. The fundamental core of the institution is the opposite sex relationship and you want to introduce into it a same-sex relationship. Have you read Merriam Webster? Highly recommend. <laughs> Highly recommend. Highly I also, recommend. I wanted her to be like, well, how do you propose that they join the institution? Or is it just that you don't think that they should be able to join the institution? Because if you know. if you want them to like, if you don't want to change it, but you you seem to be implying that it's okay that same sex couple join it how right. would you propose that they join it it's also interesting <laughs> this argument of you want to change the institution right i feel like we've changed a lot of institutions so many and not nearly you enough could argue but so many a lot of institutions have changed mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's just like how are we suddenly precious about the institution 
Constitution. Right. But anywho, it's about to get spicy because Samuel A. Alito Jr., a second junior, is about to hop on in. And Samuel jumps in and says, Well, uh, how do you account for the fact that, as far as I'm aware, until the end of the 20th century, there was never, he's suddenly British, there was never a nation... (laughs) There was never a nation or a culture that recognized marriage between two people of the same sex. Now, can we infer from that that those nations and those cultures all thought that there was some rational, practical purpose for defining marriage in that way? Or is it your argument that they were all operating independently based solely on irrational stereotypes and prejudice? I took history at Yale, and (laughs) apparently I don't remember the part where the Greeks all had same-sex relations. Men and men and men, they were all over the place. It's true. It's true. Documented in statues. Literally everywhere. <laughs> Literally everywhere. Literally They're everywhere. naked for a reason, Samuel. <laughs> it's easy to put a, it's easy to sculpt a cloth right. over the over the loins. <laughs> and yet they chose not to. They chose not to. They let it all hang out. Yeah. Such an interesting and it's such like an I feel like we've built U.S. dot on this idea of like, we came here to like make things our own and do things our own way and and freedom of religion because nowhere else has that and the leader's like okay well everywhere else doesn't have gay marriage so why should we yeah i also is the argument he's making is the argument he's making i'm also like you are you allowed to take it like he is very close deciding like in zimbabwe do you know what i mean like he's very close to like citing other cultures and other countries norms and laws that govern their their states and countries whatever and i'm just like i don't think you're allowed to take that into consideration you're not arguing for the constitutional rights of people based on other fucking countries and then i would argue mr alito pro gun rights that every other major world country in this in universe has strict gun control so if they do it, why don't we? Right. Just saying, I'm finding a lot of uh, hypocrisy happening. There's so much hypocrisy. So but Samuel... that's Alito. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's Alito. He jumped that's in. He's very, you know, he's a, the practical purpose of defining marriage. Blah, blah, blah. Other countries, nobody's ever thought of same-sex marriage as marriage. Blah, blah, blah. And Mary's simple response is, Your Honor... My position is that times can blind. Hell yeah. Mary. And I was like, yeah, yeah, get it. Yeah. She's like, I'm not denying that this has not been the norm around the world. What I'm saying is, let's get past it. She's so calm. Lizzie, we of would not make is. it. We would not make it. We oh would my be God. Like, I would listen be here. Thrown out. <laughs> Alita would have said that, and I would have been like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you even joking right now, Samuel Alito Jr.? Like, I would have lot. They would have thrown me out. They would have thrown me out. I would have been. I would have been handcuffed by the guy that goes, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah," at the top of it. You know. (laughs) We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. (laughs) 
You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. No, please. I mean, sweating. I'm so glad that we get to share this moment because last night during the notes, I was like getting real angry in my heart by myself in my apartment. Enter polygamy. Oh, of course. <laughs> so Mary continues for a while and she's like leading the discussion. And then sometime later, Douglas Hallward Drymeyer enters the conversation as the other representative for pro gay rights. And he says this. Quote, the court's decisions establish that there is not only a right to be married, but a right to remain married, that there is a protected liberty interest in the status of one's marriage once it has been established under law. So he's basically like, it doesn't just disappear. Like, you yeah, got married. Evaporate, yeah. It continu- you continue to be married until you... <laughs> Until you file for a divorce or an annulment. Until, like, exactly right. <laughs> until, you take, until you take those extreme steps. And then, of course, uh, you. I mean, how, what's, how do I even introduce, um, may he rest in peace, Antonin Scalia enters the fold. Yep. And he says, even, even if that marriage is, is not, uh, is not lawful under, under receiving state's law, right? <laughs> okay, first of all. Antonin, what are you, where are we He's all over the place. We really should have known. (laughs) He goes on to say, is that right? No matter, I mean, suppose, well, let's say someone gets married in a, in a country that permits polygamy. Does the state have to acknowledge that marriage? I'm like, what? I'm like, Antonin, (laughs) we're in this country. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. We're talking about Kentucky and Michigan, not the United States. And Germany. Right. Get a grip. Get a grip. Focus. Bring it back. Bring it back. I feel like Antonin is the one who's always like, okay, but polygamy? Yeah. He always somehow finds polygamy in the argument. I mean, it's really like just telling of where he is. And to Douglas Hallward Drymeyer's credit, he basically is like, 
no, they don't have to recognize those marriages. That's ridiculous. Like he is much more. We're not talking about polygamy. (laughs) We're not talking about polygamy. He's much more eloquent than that, and like very good about not stepping on the justices' toes. But well, sure. I feel like they probably were prepared. I feel like they were doing their like practice, (laughs) and their their interns were like, "Okay, and now the incident Scalia polygamy question," (laughs) and they were ready. (laughs) They were like, like, "Okay, got it." (laughs) Oh my god. So those, so that gives you an idea of like the pro-gay kind of exchanges, um, and some those are all of like, uh, you know, Mary Bonato and Douglas Hallward Drymeyer were the ones arguing for these couples to be able to get married, remain married, and adopt their children. Now we're gonna do the anti-gay arguments and just you know, kind of buckle in. Buckle in. Just buckle, buckle in. in. Buckle in. Or buckle up is the phrase maybe. Okay. So Lizzie's still reading the justices. I'm still reading the lawyers. So John J. Birch starts and he says, uh, this is not too far long after he starts his arguments. And he says, it's about who gets to decide that question. Oh, okay. So let's back up. The The main thrust of the the anti-gay side argument is that the court shouldn't decide who gets married. It's the voters who should decide who gets married. Yeah. I know. You can't see Lizzie's face. Her brow is very furrowed <laughs> and she's very upset. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because uh, we decided everything else that's in the Constitution. <laughs> right. <laughs> we voted on all of it. Like, right. Okay. Okay, John. Okay, John. Yeah. So, so this is, so that's a backup. So he says, it's about who gets to decide that question. Is it the people acting through the democratic process or is it the federal courts? And we're asking you to affirm every individual's fundamental liberty interest in deciding the meaning of marriage. And I think this whole case really turns on the questions that Justice Alito asked. He's also like using the 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 like the argument of the pro-gay lawyers against the argument against like to support him because he's they've been talking about like fundamental liberty and and like government interest and liberty interest like all mm-hmm. terms and words that they have like used to talk about their argument. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, it's in our liberty interest that the voters right. get to decide who gets married. <laughs> Okay, okay, and you know what? What's about to make us all feel really great is that none other than the queen of my actual heart, Sonia Sotomayor, jumps in and she says, I'm sorry? Nobody is taking that away from anybody. Every single individual in this society chooses, if they can, their sexual orientation or who to marry or not marry. I suspect even with us giving gay rights to marry that there are some gay people who will choose not to, just as there are some heterosexual couples who choose not to marry. So we're not taking anybody's liberty away. The fact that she starts off with, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm, and I know she did not say it how I said it, but it reads as, I'm sorry. I'm sure she said, I'm sorry. Nobody's taking anything. You know, she's, like, obviously very measured and, you know, better than I'll ever be. But, like, on paper, it's like, 
what? Open to artistic interpretation for sure. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, so sorry. Just have to just, I just need to like explain to you what like choice is and it's the ability to or not. Right. You know? Right. So John J. Birch turns back and he says, but we're talking about the fundamental liberty interest in deciding the question of what marriage means. And to get that. And then none other than, oh my God, friend of the bicycle, Stephen G. Breyer jumps in for this monologue. Yeah. And he says, I don't know that that's, I mean, leaving that to one side. I thought that I heard the answer to the question being given in respect to tradition of 2,000 years into the democratic ballot box and so forth was quite simple. What I heard was, one, marriage is fundamental. I mean, certainly that's true for 10,000 years. And marriage, as the states administer it, is open to vast number of people who both have children, adopt children, don't have children, all over the place. But there is one group of people whom they won't open marriage to. So they have no possibility to participate in that fundamental liberty. That is, the people of same sex who wish to marry. And so we ask, why? And the answer we get is, well, people have always done it. You know, you could have answered that one the same way. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, yeah. Ah! It's so good. Stephen and I are the same! Okay, Mm -hmm. sorry. You know, you could have answered that one the same way we talk about racial segregation. Or two, because certain religious groups do think it's a sin, and I believe that they sincerely think it. There's no question about their sincerity, but is a purely religious reason on the part of some people sufficient? And then when I look for reason three, four, and five, I don't find them. So he's literally, everything I just said, Stephen said. Yeah. And I didn't even know he said that. But it, but it's right. Yeah, it's like this thing that you're describing. We could have, we could have applied this thing to all of these other things. Yeah, and yet we didn't. And you wouldn't, and you would never argue what you're arguing right now in terms of like racial segregation. Right. You'd say no, we should have segregated. We did the right thing. Blah 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 blah. Right. blah. <laughs> it's like okay, well your argument falls apart, my dude. Yeah. Stephen, I know it's and so. Ta- I mean, to just take a monologue in the middle of this, yes, yeah. Ugh. I love Stephen, and and I love that he drops the religious thing in there because he's like, I really think some people think this is very wrong, and they yeah. sincerely think that it's very wrong. But, but is, is it the, sufficient? Is it sufficient on the part of some people? Because some people believe this. Is that sufficient? And I just, and I love his like, and then when I look for other reasons, I don't see them. I don't see them. (laughs) I just see two reasons and like, they're weak. And they're weak reasons. They're bullshit reasons. Yeah. Oh, Steven. I know. So good. Thank you for giving us that gift. I know. It's so good. Like, I just, it's really like, they should, like, there needs to be acting out of these, some of these oral arguments sometimes because they're just so good. They're just so good. So the justices hear these arguments and they make their decision. It is a 5-4 decision. So it passes. The, so this is all coming from Oye. The court held that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment guarantees the right to marry as one of the fundamental liberties it protects. 
and that analysis applies to same-sex couples in the same manner as it does to opposite-sex couples. Gorgeous. So Justice Anthony Kennedy delivered the opinion for the 5-4 majority, which also included Justices, are we surprised, Breyer, Kagan, Sotomayor, and Ginsburg. Kennedy, in his opinion, writes, quote, The Constitution promises liberty to all within its reach, a liberty that includes certain specific rights that allow persons within a lawful realm to define and express their identity. The petitioners in these cases seek to find that liberty by marrying someone of the same sex and having their marriages deemed lawful on the same terms and conditions as marriages between persons of the opposite sex. He then goes on to say that the respondents who are arguing against gay marriage think that to extend the franchise, quote, would demean a timeless institution if the concept and lawful status of marriage were extended to two persons of the same sex. Marriage, in their view, is by its nature a gender-differentiated union of man and woman. This view has long been held and continues to be held in good faith by reasonable and sincere people here and throughout the world. He's literally like, the bitches next to me think this. Yes. <laughs> yes. These man bitches think this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The petitioners acknowledge this history but contend that these cases cannot end there. Were their intent to demean the revered idea and reality of marriage, the petitioners' claims would be of a very different order. But that is neither their petition nor their submission. To the contrary, it is the enduring importance of marriage that underlies the petitioners' contentions, which is exactly what you said at the top. Mm-hmm. This, they say, is their whole point. Far from seeking to devalue marriage, the petitioners seek it for themselves because of their respect and need for its privileges and responsibility. And their immutable nature dictates that same-sex marriage is their only real path to this profound commitment. Who's literally saying they're not devaluing it. They actually, like, hold it in very high regard. Right. They're, they're literally doing more than what probably a heterosexual couple would do to get married. Like, they are, they are taking more... They're literally hopping like, on planes at their moment of death. While one of them is dying. Yeah. You know, to, to get married. They, yep. they hold it in high yep. esteem. Yeah. You know. But let's talk about the dissent. So Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the dissent, joined by Scalia and Thomas. Alito wrote his own, but also dissented. This is what I love about this They're case, very angry. Is that everybody writes a dissent. Yeah. And they just join each other's. So... Yep. For Roberts, we're talking about Roberts' dissent, which is, like, kind of the, the main one because he's like the, the chief justice. Yeah. It's, like, the official one. Roberts wrote, quote, Petitioners make strong arguments rooted in social policy and considerations of fairness. They contend that same-sex couples should, all, should be allowed to affirm their love and commitment through marriage, just like opposite-sex couples. That position has undeniable appeal. Over the past six years, voters and legislators in 11 states and the District of Columbia have revised their laws to allow marriage between two people of the same sex. And he continues. But this court is not a legislature. I'm gonna fucking hate. Ooh. Ah. What is your job? I just, but also it's like, we're going back and forth, John. Yeah. John, okay, so this court is not a legislature. Whether same-sex marriage is a good idea should be of no concern to us. Under the Constitution, judges have the power to say what the law is, not what it should be. 
the people who ratified the Constitution authorized courts to exercise, quote, neither force nor will, but merely judgment. Do not quote the Constitution at me right now. I'm so angry at you. It's but just that's like how far he has to dig. He has to dig back to like, what does it say we're allowed to do in the Constitution? Like, that's how far he goes back. And it's like. (laughs) But I'm just like, what have the courts done? Yeah. Over the past 200 years, if not this, deciding if people are. It's not even rewriting the legislation. It's if the legislation in place extends to these people. Right. This This vague 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause Civil Rights Act. Right. Extends. It's in, it's an interpret. It's interpreting. It's not rewriting. It's not like we're actually like taking a, a a pin and just like putting a little arrow and saying like same sex two exclamation point. Like right. that's not. It's also unclear to me who he <sighs> wants to write this legislation because I guess like, Congress. Congress, which would be like well, the that's states, what he wants to do with but, gerrymandering. But the states, like he wants Congress to write a law that's like the states must recognize the marriages from all the other states. Like they would have a field day. They would have a right. hissy fit because that's not states' rights. Like the federal government can't come in and be like, "Sure, you must do this." And then clearly, the other option is what was already happening, which is that states make their own laws, and you can't have like Ohio must recognize the, right. the marriages a, from the other crisis. states. Like that's like that's yeah. ridiculous. Right. So I don't. It's unclear to me who exactly he wants to like write this imaginary oh. piece of legislation. But I. But he's a, he's a smart enough man to know that like that's impossible. That like the legislation that he wants is actually like kind of an impossible thing to write for the reasons yeah, that I just I, stated. So he's just arguing that like they shouldn't get to marry. It's insane. Well, we can't wait to hear what Alito has to oh say. God. So oh he God. wrote separately, of course. He yeah. said. Oh, I love this. Quote, the Constitution says nothing about a right to same-sex marriage, but the court holds that the term liberty in the due process clause of the 14th Amendment encompasses this right. You know what the Constitution also doesn't say anything about? Citizens United. Yeah. You know, if corporations are people, why? Because there were no corporations. No. When the Constitution was written. This, this, I can't, I'm just about to lose my mind. Okay. No, and the idea of campaign finance would have been. What? Wild. <laughs> a uh, wild thought that, like, you would use a doubloon to buy an ad in what paper? Like. <laughs> in you, like, what paper? <laughs> some guy's, like, basement press. <laughs> I'm just like that's not it. You're totally right. That's not in the Constitution. That's, you're right. Do you know what is in the, Do you know what is in the Constitution? Slavery. Should we still have that? Like this idea that like if it's not in the Constitution, we can't touch it. And it's like okay, okay. He continues. We're not done with him. No. Our nation was founded upon the principle that every person has an unalienable right to liberty. But liberty is a term of many meanings. Yeah. For classical liberals, it may include economic rights, now limited by government regulation. For social democrats, it may include the right to a variety of government benefits. For today's majority, it has a distinctively postmodern meaning. To prevent five unelected justices, whoa, you're also one of those, okay, Right. From from imposing their, their personal vision of liberty upon the American people, 
The court has held that liberty under the due process clause should be understood to protect only those rights that are. Wait, I'm sorry. I had to pause because it's like they're interpreting like it's their interpretation of what the word liberty means. But we also did that with, I don't know, equality. Right. And we also did that with privacy, which I'm sure he's against Roe v. Wade. Due process. Right. Like we're all interpreting what these words mean to us. Right. And nobody's quite sure what like natural, naturally born citizen means. Like what the fuck What is that? that I don't even know. Naturally born. Like nobody's defined that really. So Alito is continuing. The court has held that liberty under the due process clause should be understood to protect only those rights that are, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. And it is beyond dispute that the right to same-sex marriage is not among those rights. So is equality for black people. Yeah. If we want to talk about this nation's history and tradition. Right. Slavery was around a lot longer than it hasn't been around. My dude. <laughs> yep. Yep. Reckon. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we should be sort of looking at this nation's history as like a way to have like precious traditions. In fact, I think we what we're seeing now is we're just having to kind of actually reject all of the traditions that we have because they're inherently racist and misogynistic <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, uninclusive and um, yeah. abusive, you know. Yep. Oh, Alito, I wanted so much better from you. I and know. I didn't expect it, but I wanted it. I mean, I, I knew he voted against us. We talked about it in, yep. in our, our biopic of him, but just having the text is, is no good. It's no it's good. No good. It's no good. Uh, but the good news is we had five justices, five people who looked at it and was like, you know what? Yeah. And agreed with literally every lower court yeah. in the states. <laughs> so it yeah. wasn't like they were making this huge, other than the sixth court of appeals, yeah. it's not like they were making this huge, like, you know what? All of you said no and we said yes thing. Yeah. There were so many people in the judicial branch that were like, yeah. Yeah. I just, it's it's so interesting because it's just so, I wish I could just ask more questions like i wish i could just yeah. sit down with john roberts and be like just walk me through it right walk me through who is supposed to be doing this right and well, walk me and- through like why why it's these cases right that the court shouldn't be deciding but other cases they should be like i right. i genuinely it's not even to like be mad it's to be like i'm missing a piece of your puzzle and i probably will still disagree but i just want to understand not yeah. agree, but at least understand. Understand. I would like to Because I feel understand. like it just gets me all worked up. Yeah. But, but the good news is, is that the majority ruled gay marriage is legalized in the United States. The White House lit up in the rainbow colors. It was an amazing day. Like, I yep. remember it. Yep. It was crazy. It was just like, oh my God, it's, it's over. Yep. You know, it's just, it's such, it's so amazing that it happened. You know, shout out to, big shout out to Kennedy, Sotomayor, Ginsburg, and Kagan and Breyer. They were like, just, yeah, like five people. Can you believe that it like ultimately rests? I mean, it doesn't ultimately, but at the end of the day, five people are the reason that the LGBTQ community can get married. Five people. Yep. I'm, whew. 
Yep. It's insane. It's insane. But, you know, they did it. And uh, I love that the I, was the the announcement was made in June, no? It was like during Pride it was, Month. Yeah, it was June. It was like, we have to look up the day of the, it, the anniversary like might be now. Because it was the that. day, it was the day, it was the Friday before Pride. Mm. Because yeah. I went so down I just, to. I also love just the. Yeah. Just well, like the marketability of the timing sure. of the decision. It's just, it's great when it works out that way. The timing was amazing. Out. It was so good. I, yeah. I went down to Stonewall and I was, and it was so great because like there were lots of people down there and like it was just, it was a really, it was a really happy, joyous day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a happy, joyous thing. We love and support the LGBTQ community and their right to love and marry whomever they wish. Yep. And and so that's our episode. Yeah. Again, happy Pride. Happy Pride, uh, everybody. Can't stress it enough. It's just such a wonderful thing to celebrate. And so, yeah, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us, you can review us, and you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.